0: Please turn with me to our scripture reading for this morning, which can be found in the book of Romans, and we'll be specifically looking at chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Again, that's Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and the page number for this passage is 1,206 in the Bibles that are found under your pews. Romans chapter 13, and I'll begin at verse 1. It reads this way, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed.
1: This morning, we're going to be considering the Christian's relationship to governing authorities. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are in the book of Romans, and we have been working through Romans, starting at chapter 1, verse 1, and working through the book uh, verse by verse. Today, we arrive at chapter 13, and one might ask the question, why does this particular issue of Christians' relationship to government, why is that thought introduced at this particular point in the text? Well, if you look at the broader context, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we were exhorted to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And then further, we were instructed in verse 2 of chapter 12, not to be molded or conformed or to be pressured by the society in which we live, but rather to be transformed as a people of God by the renewing of your minds. Romans 12:2. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So one might see the call to be serving God and not be conformed to this world as being in conflict with submitting to human government. One might see that these two ideas, in fact, are mutually exclusive. Some might think that you can't have allegiance to God and at the same time be submissive to human governments. That that concept is incompatible. Support can be drawn from certain elements of Scripture. For example, when Peter is arrested in Acts chapter 5 for preaching the gospel, he is brought before the council. and It tells us in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, and the high priest questioned Peter. That is Peter and his cohorts, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, what is well known to many of us, We must obey God rather than man. So people would say, there you have it. You can't obey God and at the same time obey man. However, we find in this text that serving God and submitting to human governments is not contradictory to each other and in fact there is a direct correlation between serving God and submitting to human governments. That that is in fact his will that we submit to human government. Romans chapter 12 was that we might know his will, then his will is declared to us, and including in that will is the idea of being submissive to human governments. Now I'd like to say at the, outfit, at, yeah, at the, outfit, at the outset that uh, these issues are quite complex as we think about the relationship of Christians to government. And in fact, the scripture actually has a great deal to say about that particular subject. We can go to the book of Nehemiah, we can go to the book of of Ezra, we can go to the book of Daniel, and look at how Daniel interacted with uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the, the king of Babylon and other kings. There are many, many passages that we could expound. My purpose is not to enter into a lengthy series on Christian and government. Rather, I'm gonna limit my consideration to what's before us in this text this morning, working through these verses and continuing on with the Book of Romans. The general principle is what is established and that is what we need to focus upon this morning. There are exceptions the rule but the rule is that as christians we are submissive to government notice romans 13:1 which is the key or theme of the text romans 13:1 let every person be subject to the governing authorities that's the basic premise that's the basic theme that's the basic duty That's the basic responsibility. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. So the natural question is, why? Why? Why as Christians should we be submissive to governing authorities? And that's what our text addresses. Reasons why we as Christians are to be submissive to our governing authorities. First, the first reason that we are to place ourselves under the authority of the human government in which we live is because God establishes human government under which we live. Notice Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for or because... There is no authority except from God. There is no authority except from God. God has decided that he is going to administer his rule over this earth in part through the means of human governments. Human governments are going to be the agents of God in part of the way in which he rules over this earth. So in what sense has God established human governments? It says, for there is no authority except from God. Four things. First, the right to rule comes from God. The ability to rule comes from God. The responsibility to rule comes from God. And the purpose for the rule comes from God. Then we see that God establishes human governments so that all human governments are dependent upon God for their continued existence. Notice the end of verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And now these words, and those that exist have been instituted by God. God institutes human governments. When Daniel addressed the king of Babylon, he said, which was our call to worship verse, and it is he, that is God, who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to men and knowledge to men of understanding. God is sovereign over all the nations. God is sovereign over all the governments. God is sovereign over all his beings. So we can ask the question how does God establish governments? How does he set up and remove rulers? Well God establishes human governments immediately or indirectly. God establishes governments through human agents and means. There is no one process or form of government that God establishes. There are many different forms and processes of governments around the world. Israel had a a theocracy. Israel was ultimately ruled by God, but had an earthly king. It's very important for us to keep in mind as we read the book of Romans that this is written to a people who were living under an emperor. And the commands that they were given were to be given to the authority to Rome. They were to submit themselves to Roman authority. We have a wonderful privilege of living in a republic. We're governed by a democracy. What a a joy and blessing that is. Not everyone knows that, that joy and that blessing but our text has no qualifier. For Christians who are in other nations, they have a responsibility to be submissive to the government in which they live. We have responsibility of being submissive to the United States. Those in other nations have responsibility to be submissive to the nations in which they live. So in our nation, God uses the electoral process. In other nations, he uses other processes. But we are to see God's providence at work in all that takes place. The outcome, no matter what the process, and no matter what the form, is to be seen ultimately as God's rule and God's oversight of this world. Not only does God establish Rulers, He removes rulers. How does he do that? For it says in our text that those that exist have been instituted by God. Those that are ruling are under his authority. So how does God remove rulers? In our nation, God removes rulers by natural means. The voting process is one way in which God establishes not only the rulers but removes rulers. Oftentimes, God uses war to establish and remove rulers. If you keep in mind the kingdom of Israel, the king was removed, the government was changed as the king of Babylon came in and conquered uh, the land of Israel. And Daniel was given the responsibility to proclaim to the people of God, as did Jeremiah, that this was God's will. This was God's doing. And they were not to rebel or resist, but to accept what God was doing. So so God moves and establishes through war. And then our God is sovereign. And he also works immediately or directly so that Just as every person's life is sustained by the grace and goodness of God, so too are the lives of the rulers. So there are instances in the scripture where God removes rulers by striking them dead, by giving them an illness, by taking away their their life. So God removes rulers through a natural governing process. God removes rulers and establishes rulers through wars, and God directly, immediately removes rulers by physical limitations. Thus, it is God who ultimately establishes government. Therefore, to rebel against government in general is to rebel against God. Verse 2, therefore, Here's the application. Whoever resists the authority resists God. Now let me read it in its entirety. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. So to resist authority is ultimately to go against God. For this is God's activity. So the application is that we are to submit to human governments. For in so doing, we actually submit to God. The Christian is not in a catch-22. The Christian doesn't have to ask the question, should I obey God or should I obey government? But rather, in submitting to God, I'm submitting to government. And in submitting to government, I am submitting to God. As I said, our text does not deal with the exceptions. There are some, but it's dealing with the general rule And that is to be the focus, not the exceptions, but the rule. That which is ordinary. That which is the general responsibility and conduct of Christians. And that is that we are to be submissive to our government. It is noteworthy that God uses the Apostle Paul to write these uh, words to the church at Rome. And if there's anyone who understood an oppressive government, it was Paul. Paul had been imprisoned. And yet God uses Paul, who had been imprisoned, to speak about the importance of submitting to the authority of God. But again, in God's sovereignty, when Paul from prison writes to the Philippians, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, that these things have happened under the furtherance of the gospel. That Paul realized that his imprisonment was actually serving the purpose and will of God. And it shouldn't go without note that when, on another occasion, when the Jews are seeking to take the life of the apostle Paul that he appeals to Caesar. And he appeals to the Roman government, saying you have no jurisdiction to these Jewish leaders to take my life, but that has been entrusted to the government of Rome. And so to Rome he appeals and to Rome he goes. So in the sovereignty of God, Paul who had never yet visited Rome, ultimately gets to Rome as a prisoner. But in that instance, it's his protection. In that instance, it is the deliverance of his life. Application. Jesus affirmed God's establishment of human government even when he, that is Jesus, was unjustly condemned. When Jesus stood before Pilate, and Pilate is condemning him, and he is going to be ultimately crucified on the cross, you have this interaction. It's recorded in John chapter 19. It says this. So Pilate said to him, that's Jesus. You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Jesus says, you can't do anything to me that God doesn't allow to happen. That this is actually serving the purpose of God, which is what Peter says on that great uh, sermon on Pentecost, uh, that you by wicked hands have crucified and slain, the one that's been delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Galatians tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law. The fullness of time. It's the very right moment of history. And it is no accident that Jesus was born in a period of time where there was a death penalty. And the government was actually achieving the purpose of God, and the prophecy. That even more amazing is that there was death by crucifixion, which was prophesied in the Old Testament when the normative way of uh, administering capital punishment was through stoning. We could go on and on, but the point is that it's well established. Number two, the second reason that we are to place ourselves under the authority of human governments is because we will experience judgment if we fail to do so. We will experience judgment if we fail to place ourselves under the authority of human government. To say that we will incur judgment is a loaded statement. That needs to be unpacked. There's actually an awful lot that is bound up in that statement that to fail to submit to government is going to. in judgment first we will experience the condemnation that comes from the human government if we fail to submit to it those who submit to government need not fear government verse 3 for rulers are not a tear to good conduct but to bad alright so if you are submitting to human government you got nothing to worry about you want to live life free and clear from the fear of reprisal from government then do what is good verse 3 for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad would you have no fear of the one who is in authority then do what is good and you will receive the approval so submit and life is fine if you submit to government you won't have a problem Those who do not submit to government authority need to fear that government. They will be judged by that government. Verse four, for he is a God's servant for your good, but if you do not, if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. You break the law, you're gonna pay the consequence. You're gonna experience the judgment. But let's center in on this thought. It is God's purpose that human governments take his, that is God's, vengeance upon wrongdoing. Human governments are instruments of God's judgment. Look at verse 4. For he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. Now these words. An avenger who carries out God's wrath. That's speaking about government. The government is an avenger. The one who is carrying out God's wrath. So here's another important tie to the context. Last week we were in Romans chapter 12. 9 to 13. And if you remember back, uh, excuse me, uh, 13 through the end of the chapter, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, if you look there with me, just across the page, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we talked about last week how we have no right as individuals to be causing other people to pay for the wrongdoing that has been done to us. We are to leave that into God's hands. But in leaving that in God's hands, we are to understand that God has determined that he is going to use human government as a means of exercising his judgment. So if you look at verse 4, of chapter 13 the end of that verse it says for he that is the governmental ruler is the servant of God and avenger that see we can't take vengeance but he is an avenger who carries out God's wrath a prime example of this is God's justice that is to be mediated concerning murder. In the Old Testament, in John, excuse me, Genesis chapter nine, verse six, we read this. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Now the individual did not have the right to take the life of another individual who had committed murder. He was not to be an avenger. The government was to be the avenger. The government was the one to exact justice. But notice, God isn't going to immediately strike down the the person who is a murderer. God was not going to directly bring about that justice. It was mediated. That was the responsibility of man. But not man as individual, man as government. And so, human governments have the responsibility of mediating God's law. That is God's intention. That is God's purpose. So if we fail to submit to the authority of human government, we will fail to do our Christian duty. We talk about our civil duty, that is our duty to governments, our civil duty, and then we talk about our Christian duty, our duty to God. And this text teaches us that the Christian not only has a civil duty but a spiritual, moral duty as a Christian to be submissive to government. It comes at the end of verse five. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. That for the sake of conscience is speaking of our religious duty before God. Uh, To be clear in our conscience to be acceptable to God, to be pleasing to Him, to do His will, we must be submissive to government. It is not antithetical. Thirdly, it is appropriate for the Christian to be submissive to government under which he or she lives. It is appropriate for the Christian to meet all the obligations that we have to human government. Verse 6, for because of this you also pay taxes. We uh, we, we pay taxes. If you re- remember, well, one of the issues that the Jews had with Jesus, one of the ways in which they tried to trick him, is they raised a question that burned among the Jewish people and that was, was it right to pay taxes? And if you remember, Jesus took a coin and he said, who's whose uh, likeness is on this coin. They said Caesar's. And Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things of God, the things that are God. Jesus said, pay your taxes. Consistent with this passage and just caused a bunch of the Pharisees to become irate. He taught them, you must be submissive to government. So what... Precisely, are our obligations to government. How does that look like? What does this submissiveness entail? A number of things. First, placing ourselves under the authority of government in which we live includes the paying of taxes, which I just mentioned. And uh, that uh, passage that I referred to is Matthew chapter 22, verses 18 to 22. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, to God's what is God. Next, Placing ourselves under the authority of government in which we live includes paying for services and goods rendered. Notice verse seven. Revenue to whom revenue is due. Um, Slight distinction between taxes and revenue. Uh, Tolls on the turnpike. That one I guess you could really argue about tax or, or revenue. But you think about licenses. Uh, you know you need to pay to get your driver 's license you need to pay to have your car registered. Uh, those technically aren 't taxes they are fees they they're due they're revenue so the the bible is saying you 've got to pay your taxes you have to pay the funding of government if you will, for the goods that you receive the the oversight that it provides you know if you live in a community where the the uh, trash is included in and what you do, it might be a part of the responsibilities you have, fees, licensures, payments for goods rendered to us. Placing ourselves under the authority of government in which we live includes living in fear of its authority. It says in verse seven, respect to whom respect is owed. The NAS translates this, fear to whom fear, which is really a better translation. Uh, It's talking about the wisdom of submitting to authority, to to recognize that it should be a fearful thing to cheat on your taxes. (laughs) You you shouldn't take that lightly, all right? Uh, You may have to pay a penalty. You may have to go to jail. Uh, Recognize the wisdom and fear in not submitting to government. Then next, placing ourselves under the authority of government which we live includes paying homage to our governmental leaders. Last statement, honor to whom honor is owed. Honor, respect, value, worth. There is a respect that comes to a person in office. And that respect is to be rendered simply because of the office that that person holds. All of our governmental officials, whether they be the president, whether they be the Congress, whether it be the senators, whether it be our local leaders, our mayors, people in authority are worthy of respect because of the office that they hold. We refer to judges as the honorable so and so. That is a fine designation. That would be biblical in the thinking. We're to honor those that have to make these important decisions. We don't get to choose willy-nilly, all right? We can't choose a particular branch of government. We can't choose a particular party that we're gonna respect one party and not the other party. We can't choose among individuals. We are to be submissive to government, period. And show respect to government, period. And show respect to those that are in office, period, because of that office. They deserve it and it's our Christian responsibility. So the conclusion is really quite simple and that is that we are to be mindful that as we think about God's will for our life that we should not divide our life into a category of secular and spiritual. All of life has its spiritual ramifications. Our faith is not practiced in isolation. We can't talk about that which is religious and that which is secular. Our responsibility is to live under God's authority in all aspects of our life. But we find in this passage this wonderful truth that these two ideas are not antithetical to each other. We don't have to sit in the room and just kind of bong our head against the wall and say, what do I do? Do I obey God or do I obey government? Now there are exceptions, but then we're not going to the exceptions. We're talking about the general rule. We're talking about how we respond to all of our governing officials, no matter what level of government, federal government, state government, local government, And may I just say that in some ways, this is a little misleading, for when it talks about governing officials in chapter 13, verse one, governing is supplied there. Uh, Later, it does make it very clear where we're talking about government, for the word is used. But the general principle is to be submissive to authorities. So we can carry this into Students being respectful of their uh, teachers. We can talk about employees and the way they respond to their bosses. We can talk about children and the way in which they respond to their parents. So in essence, we're talking about authority in general. Then the passage moves into the particular of human governments and submission to those, those governments. So. Let us seek to be submissive. Let us seek to be respectful across the board. And in this, we will be very different from the world in which we live. This is the way in which we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And we have respect for other nations and other governments as well. Realizing that God establishes authority and rule on this earth. Let's pray. Our Father, help us as Christians to work our way through what has become a minefield uh, as we Try to ascertain what is our Christian responsibility as it comes to government. There is so much that is written. There is so much that is debated. There is so much influence that comes from so many places. But Lord, help us to keep to the basics. And first of all, to acknowledge your sovereignty and your rule over the face of this earth. And may our ultimate confidence be in you and in not any human government. Oh Lord, may we not look to our government to keep us safe. May we look to you. Uh, Lord, may we look to you and to your will. Lord, we realize that our governing officials have responsibilities and duties. Lord, uh, I pray that as our governing officials as they mete out justice, that they will do so in a way that they recognize that they are to be meeting out your justice. And so that they will reward what is truly good and they will punish what is truly evil. And that they would not punish what is good and reward what is evil. Lord, we pray for our leaders and ask that they would come to faith and place their knowledge and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would give us godly leaders that would seek to lead us in the way that we should go at all levels of government. Lord, I pray and I give you thanks for the religious freedoms that we enjoy in this nation. May we not take them for granted, nor may we separate them from our founding fathers and their beliefs and practices that were established upon their personal faith in you and the word of God. May we understand what a tremendous heritage that we have and how that this heritage is gonna be preserved as more and more people place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and seek to live under the authority of your word. So help us. Our Father, to be a light in this world, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.